It's weekly wrap up here on WCMP and KBEK. My name's Joe Keyport. It's good to be back after being gone for the last week. My band National Park Service was on tour. We started in Pittsburgh, headed all the way back to St. Paul. It was a good time to be out on the road, play some music for some people, meet some new faces, rock them all before, you know, however that song goes, you know that one. I think is that Bon Jovi, Dead or Alive? Doesn't matter. But today we've got some great stuff going on. As always, I'm joined by Eric Van Rainen to chat about the news that went on in WCMP and KBEK. Along with the news, we got sports here as Ethan Game Day Gilman has been burning the candle at both ends here for the last few weeks. Basketball playoffs are in full swing here, and so we talk about that during the show. Plus, you'll have updates from State Senator Jason Merrick and Nathan Nelson. That's all coming up here on the weekly wrap-up, going until 5 p.m. here on WCMP and KBEK. You're listening to the weekly wrap-up here on Nice 95.5 KBEK and WCMP, both AM and FM. My name's Joe Keyport. I'm back after the week off, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ver- Mr. Eric Van Rainen. Eric, how's it going? Joe, it's good to have you back. The studio's a quiet place when you're recording <laughs> uh, the weekly wrap-up by yourself flying solo. You feel a little crazy when you're just like, ah, am I talking to just the, the people in the room around me? But I'm glad to be back. I'm glad. How did the show go while you were gone? While I was gone, the show went well. We had some great interviews. Uh, Ethan covering sports was great as always. I felt like it went well despite having to listen to myself for five minutes <laughs> and playing back and just hearing my own voice. Yeah, it's the it's the thing to overcome is the uh, realizing that you do not sound how you think you sound. But I'm glad to be back. I appreciate you taking over, and we're here to talk about news that's going on in Pine County. And this was one that goes in both stations, but I'll, I'll take it for this one as we got some interesting stuff to talk about over in KBEK. It's a little more specific to that area. Um, we want to start off with the big update to a case we've been following since early this month. That is the triple homicide that happened in the Fish Lake Township in Chisago County, where uh, the Chisago County Sheriff's Office has identified a person of interest within that case, a 39-year-old Kenneth Kozlowski. He was found dead the day prior in rural Dakota County on Saturday, March 4th from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. According to the Chisago County Sheriff's Office, a relative of, he was a relative of the homicide victim's and lived in the city of North Branch. The gun used during his apparent suicide was forensically linked to the evidence at the homicide scene, and investigators determined that Kozlowski was in the area at the time of the homicides. Uh, Law enforcement is still investigating this one. It's something we've been covering for a while, Eric, here, and it's something we'll continue to cover. It doesn't sound like uh, it's going to be probably the resolution anybody wants, though. Right. I know they're still investigating the motive. They're piecing together the timeline. I know the family was, the the three victims were found on March 5th, which was the mm-hmm. day after uh, the body of the uh, suspect was, was discovered. And I know that it's kind of just a, a situation where they're still piecing things together and we'll keep listeners updated as we mm-hmm. get more. Yeah, I'll be interested to see because with, with usually finding the suspect gone, uh, passed away, you won't always get kind of the motives and some of that stuff unless there was some sort of digital or physical kind of paper trail with that one. It is worth noting with this case that the remaining family of the victims have started a GoFundMe Mm -hmm. uh, for $30,000 for assisting the family in a very tough time. 
Uh, information about that GoFundMe can be found on either the WCMP or KBEK websites. Yeah, thanks for shouting for, for pointing that out because, yeah, that's something. If, if you got some extra cash here to go support them, it's big. Not only did they lose uh, a large chunk of their immediate family, it's funerals are expensive, and getting that support during this time is really important. Moving on to something more positive uh, here from that big story, that tragic story, is uh, the Hinkley Finlayson School Board has approved some changes uh, to the district's makeup day policy uh, earlier this week. So, Eric, I mean, we've seen it we've endured it uh snow there's a lot of snow a lot of schools have canceled or postponed days um or started late um and so um originally the board had approved some makeup days but two of them fell during the school spring break which you wouldn't think is that big of a deal however uh superintendent brian masterson explained during that meeting that this could cause issues with staffing staff didn't know before january that their spring break could be taken away. They may have planned a vacation, things like that. Especially our teacher contract, and I believe our support staff contract only has allowed so many people out per building at a time. They decided it was easier to make up that time, especially with more weather on the way. It's something we'll be enduring probably through the end of this week here. Uh, And so Masterson suggested that the seven early release days in the months of April and May be turned into full student learning days. And that change was approved unanimously by the Hinkley Finlayson School Board. Which makes sense. I know that March kind of signifies we're heading towards spring, but we're not getting that reprieve yet in terms of weather. It's something a lot of districts have had to deal with. I know Dan Roche, when talking with Rock and Robin Riley on the KBK Morning Show, was talking about Moore's uh, kind of struggles to make sure that there's enough days now that their allotted e-learning days mm-hmm. are out. So I think it's kind of a, a problem that a lot of school districts face. And something that I think a lot of school boards will be deciding how they're going to handle next winter. Because I know before that was decided at the Hinkley Finlayson School Board meeting, they were looking through and trying to figure out how they wanted to handle the 2023-2024 school year. Pine City will be probably making decisions next week. The Pine City School Board meetings on Monday the 20th. And uh, Mora is the same, like you said. Bram will probably be the same. So something to keep an eye on, especially if you have kids in school because uh, long gone are the days of just uh, you have an extra day at the end of the summer or the end of the school year before you start your summer vacation. I also think that the most foolproof solution to this problem is to not have historic snowfall next year. That's valid. We should um, bring the earth closer to the sun so snow melts before it touches the ground. I like where you're thinking, Eric. Intense global warming. <laughs> But that's the two stories for this break. In a few minutes, we'll be back. We'll be talking about the elections that went on here in Pine County. They went on across the state, but we're getting results for at least Pine County, plus a musical that's opening uh, that has already opened. We'll be running through the weekend in Pine City. It's all right here on the Weekly Wrap-Up. It's the Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm Joe Keyport here on KBK and WCMP. As always, we're talking to Eric Van Reenen. We're talking WCMP news stories on this Friday. And now, Eric, we had some heavier stories. Uh, segment. We want to talk about some more positive things, which uh, the Pine City Heritage Players production of the musical comedy Murders of 1940 opened on Thursday and will be running through this weekend. Are you a fan of the theater? I am. In high school, I was actually in the theater. I played Eugene in the high school production of Grease. Typecast as the nerd. Had a great time doing it. <laughs> Well, uh, and so this one opened on Thursday. It'll be running tonight at 7 p.m., tomorrow, Saturday at 7 p.m., and there's a matinee on Sunday. I believe that one's at 2. Um, so despite the title, uh, the musical Comedy Murders of 1940 is not a musical, as Jay Schuler said during an interview earlier this week. It's a comedy. It's not a musical, even though it has the word musical in the title. And it's a murder mystery. 
You literally think everybody in the show is the killer until the very end when you find out who the killer is. This one is a classic whodunit uh, with, uh, set in the home of a wealthy producer following uh, a massive flop that happened on Broadway and some things ensue. It has all of the sliding panels, secret passages, and people with secret identities that you could ask for. Jay Schuler did stop by the station earlier, WCMP, earlier this week, like I mentioned, and did a full interview. You can find that over on WCMP Radio com or kbk.com for the Q Media On Demand podcast. You can purchase tickets online through the Pine City Heritage Players website or in person at the Pine City Chamber of Commerce office. The office is closed as of you're listening to this now, unless it's the unless you have a few minutes left and you can run to the Pine City Hall. So as always, uh, you can check that out too. And Eric, one more story for me, which is just kind of talking about the uh, township elections that went on here in uh, Pine County. It went on across the entire state. You haven't gotten really results as of recording this on Wednesday about uh, anything that went on in uh, Canaba County. But uh, townships are a big thing. There are you have your city councils, you have your state governments, you have your county boards and uh, township boards are kind of the equivalent of a city council for them. They make a lot of the decisions day to day when it comes to ordinances, budgeting, stuff like that. So they're big ones, even though they're small elections. Head to WCMPRadio.com. We have a full list of the ones we've gotten so far. There's 33 towns townships in uh, Pine County alone. So if you, you, and these are the people who are making decisions that definitely affect you on a smaller level. And it's good to keep listeners up to date with this because, of course, I feel like people expect November elections. So March might seem a little bit out of the ordinary mm-hmm. if you're not used to that kind of thing. But yeah, it's definitely important to keep abreast of these local municipalities and townships and seeing, you know, who's going to be making decisions that impact you. Mm-hmm. And one thing is uh, Minnesota traditionally turns out really well for elections, but looking through the results of these, a lot of these are decided except for Pakegama Township, uh, which is the township I live in, which shout out, uh, by g- like less than 20 votes. And I get uh, you can't really find ballots anywhere and it's hard to find information, um, but making sure you're voting on the people who are running is important because, again, they are making decisions that impact you on a daily basis. Um, so that's kind of it. Head to WCMPRadio.com. You can find election results there. Uh, what are we talking about coming up in a little bit, Eric? Sure. We've got some, some things out of Bram. Bram City Council had a special meeting about Pi Day and Appreciation Day. Uh, the Canaba County Board adop- adopted a new public comment policy. And then we'll be talking some Second Amendment stuff. Both local sheriffs and the city of Isanti discussed supporting the Second Amendment uh, in in light of some recent legislation passing through the state legislature. So we will discuss uh, their thoughts on that. Awesome. Well, we'll be talking to you next hour, Eric. Thanks for stopping on by and chatting with me. Always happy to be here. Again, my name is Joe Keyport. You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on WCMP and KBEK, joined by Mr. Eric Van Leenen, reporter for KBEK. And so we'll be talking to him in next hour for the KBEK News. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll be hearing some interviews from your local legislators. Uh, Jason Rarick talked to me earlier this week, plus we talked to Nathan Nelson as well. That's coming up right here in the 3 o'clock hour in just a few minutes. Joe Keyboard here, News Director for WCMP and KBEK here in East Central Minnesota. I'm talking to State Senator Jason Ware. Good morning, Senator. How's it going? Good morning. It's uh, going good so far. Uh, appreciate uh, the time. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to call in. And uh, probably one of the big things everyone's mind right now is kind of bonding. And you kind of released a column last week about bonding and some tax relief. So you want to talk to me about what's going on with that? 
Yeah, you know, right now there's a lot of talk, you know, the bonding bill, there's a lot of good projects across the state to improve infrastructure, do much needed uh, projects that uh, will help a lot of different communities. And, and I'm in complete support of, of doing those projects. The, the thing that I struggle with is the process that we're going through right now. You know, this would be like pulling out the credit card and saying we're going to put a bunch of stuff on the credit card when we haven't addressed some of the other needs that people have as well with inflation, the huge surplus. You know, a lot of people are hoping for tax cuts, and I think those two need to be, uh, you know, discussed together so that, you know, right now we don't have what's called the targets. So the tax committee doesn't know how much money they're going to be allotted from the surplus to be able to give those tax cuts or aids to cities and counties, which would help with property taxes in local areas. So, you know, for me, um, I want those conversations to happen together so that we can have an idea what the tax cuts are um, that we're going to be able to offer people before we start borrowing more money. So in the end, I believe a bonding bill uh, can and will get done, and these, a lot of the projects will get done. I just think we're jumping the gun a little bit, uh, bringing it up already without the tax cut um, conversations. Yeah. And that, that surplus has been a big conversation probably this whole session, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, that's been something that we haven't agreed. It's been growing and growing mainly because over the last two sessions, um, we we never came to real agreements on on how to do it. And so that money's been some of the money is sitting there. What we would call one time money that's uh, kind of basically in the bank account that can be spent. And then some of it is the ongoing that we know will you know what we've been overtaxing Minnesotans year after year. You know, and so that's about six billion that is an ongoing. So, you know, there's about twelve billion that is, is has built up over the last couple of years that's um, could be used. And and you know, so that's another option instead of borrowing money for the bonding, um, we potentially could use cash to do a number of these projects and not pay the interest. So, you know, a lot of discussions like that happening around here. Absolutely. And and so what are some of the, I know you probably touched on them a little bit, is there any other kind of tax relief things that you and your fellow Senate uh, Republicans have really wanted to try and pass this session to help ease that burden on us as residents in, in the state? Yeah, you know, the, the top one that everyone has talked about for the last uh, two years has been, you know, ending the income tax on Social Security income. Um, you know, that's one we're really hoping to get done. Um, that will help our seniors. Uh, the other one um, that we've uh, put out there is, you know, reducing the income tax. Um, I think one that's most realistic to get done would be a 1% decrease on the first tier. Um, we've also, you know, depending on what the target is, even reducing uh, the second tier a little bit, that would help all working families. Um, and then looking at some ways, again, that we can help uh, the counties, at giving them uh, aid so that the um, homestead exclusion can be raised. Uh, we, we've been hearing from a lot of folks their property taxes are, are getting pretty high because their value, market value of their homes are going up. So if we can raise that exclusion to give them a little bit of relief on their property taxes. So those would be three of the big ones that I would hope we can have some good discussions and, and get done. Hmm. Yeah. And and 
one of the other things I wanted to ask you here uh, today, Senator Rarick, which is we're kind of getting to the midpoint of the session for 2023. And, and for people like myself, kind of what does that mean for the work you and your fellow legislators? What, what does that kind of mean in, in the grand terms of the 2023 legislative session? Yeah, so, you know, great question. Um, when we first come into session, committees uh, start going through the, the bills that they're in their jurisdiction, um, talking about all the different uh, possible proposals that are coming forward, the possibilities of what might be included in, in a final bill for that committee jurisdiction. And last Friday, we had what was determined uh, what we call first deadline, and that means... Um, a policy provision has to be through the committee process in either the House or the Senate. And then this week is second deadline, so it means that policy provision has to be through the other body by the end of this week. So once that happens, now the shift goes from hearing as many, all of the bills to starting to look at what has been heard, what's made it through the process, and starting to shape what are the things that we're going to maybe bring to the House and Senate floor as standalone? What is going to come together in what would be called an omnibus bill, a package that comes forward um, to, for the general um, thing within that jurisdiction? Um, so we're we're done hearing a lot of the proposals. Now we start putting things together, determining what has merit, what the, what our priorities are. You know, maybe a number of things have merit, but we just can't fit them maybe into the budget or, you know, things like that. So that's that's the shift that starts to happen right now, um, putting putting these final packages together uh, based on priorities. Gotcha. And anything else here today, Senator Rarick, that you want to talk about? Um, you know, just uh, again, you know, the pace around here has been a little uh, quick, you know, compared to other years. It's been uh, tough keeping up on everything, but, uh, you know, we're doing our best around here to get up to speed. And, and as always, you know, when folks want to reach out to my office, whether it's phone call, email, um, if they need help with something, we're doing our best to keep uh, keep up and respond to everybody as quickly as we can and help them out if they need. So um, just for folks to know, they can always reach out to my office uh, if they have questions or if they need help. Awesome. Well, Senator Rourke, I appreciate you taking some time and chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Again, State Senator Jason Rarick here on the Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm Joe Keyport. Coming up in just a few minutes, I'll be talking to State Representative Nathan Nelson. Joe Keyport here, News Director for WCMB and KBEK. Today, I'm joined by State Representative Nathan Nelson. Good morning, Nathan. How are you doing? Good morning. Uh, it's good to be here, and uh, thank you for the invitation to come on in and of course, we always want to talk to our legislators, make sure people know what's what they're doing for the area. So, you want to talk about what kind of, what stuff are you working on here this year, or at least so far? It's been a busy session. Um, probably most of you know that there's a, a Democrat trifecta, mm-hmm. and and they're working through a lot of things that have kind of been on their on their list of uh, uh, priorities mm-hmm. and. I think anybody with a trifecta, if it was even if it was the Republicans, they would probably be doing much the same thing. But um, so it's been very busy. Uh, we've had a lot of a uh, lot of individual bills that have been passed off of the floor, um, and and it's uh, kind of at a, f- a faster pace than what we're probably typically used to seeing in the beginning of session. 
Uh, there was about a week ago, two weeks ago, somewhere in there, uh, there was a kind of a report of showing, you know, how much, how many bills had been through committee and to mm-hmm. the floor and, or moving to other committees. And, um, the, the next closest record was, uh, about 15 years ago, there had been 53 bills that had moved through. And of, as of like two weeks ago, they were at 157, oh, wow. I believe. So it's been, uh, it's been a very fast pace. Mm. And so as someone in the minority party here, what's kind of the GOP's uh, uh, kind of plan here moving forward, given that trifecta? A lot of, a lot of things that are coming forward have, have great intentions, mm-hmm. but there, we see some issues with them. Uh, one of them is like a, the paid family medical leave. And it would allow some, you know, it's a good intention mm-hmm. of take being able to allow somebody to take off time up to twelve weeks if they're sick, and up to another an additional twelve weeks if they were taking care of a family member. So, I mean, you could take up to twenty four weeks off mm-hmm. paid paid time off, and we we have some concerns with this. Uh, I think when we look at the our schools and our county. Uh, it's really an unfunded mandate because they're going to come have to come up with, uh, you know, more more employees mm-hmm. very likely, and also it's it's going to be a, a cost to the county, to the school, and also just to your your main street employer. Uh, yeah. It's going to be an extra cost. Uh, right now, it's projected to be about a 0.7 percent payroll tax, but uh, other states have. Uh, have started in that area and they've had to raise it. Um, and so th- there's some concerns with that. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the things that are, are you doing or, you know, the GOP doing to kind of make sure that is within reason? Because you said it's good intention, but obviously you don't want to impact the county. You want to make sure things are done well and you don't want to really harm a lot of the small business owners here in the area. Well, one, some of the things that we're doing is, is the bill is going through committees. We're, we're trying to amend it to mm-hmm. really put some guardrails on. Um, you know, if you're going to take uh, 12 weeks off to take care for a loved one, well, let's make sure that it isn't. Uh, uh, and it, so a family member is also mm-hmm. rather broadly defined in this. Um, it can be as, as far away as uh, a neighbor or somebody that you really are acquainted with and not necessarily what we would consider a family of maybe a uh, a mom or a dad or a, a child mm-hmm. or a spouse, um, you know, the definition is really quite large. So we're trying to kind of rein that definition in of what family is. Mm. And then also, I think there needs to be some definitions or some guardrails on, um, let's make sure that it's not uh, a brother and a sister and uh, a friend of theirs all taking care of their dad and maybe they're up on Lake Vermilion fishing mm. for the week. Uh, yeah. You know, th- there's things like that that, I mean, you know, that, w- that wouldn't be an extreme case of abuse. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think for the most part, we're not going to see the abuse of, mm. of this because people legitimately need to be able to have time to take care of, you know, their family. Any other bills, especially ones that um, your constituents have brought to you with concerns that you're kind of focusing on and looking at as they move through the legislature? Um, probably some of the, one of the biggest ones that I've heard probably the most comments on is there's a HF seventeen fifteen I believe is the number, but it would ban uh, all gas uh, powered uh, lawn and garden equipment. So your lawnmowers, uh, tillers, uh, mm-hmm. string trimmers, things like that, uh, starting January of twenty twenty five I believe. And 
I don't think the bill will go anywhere, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of concern about that because it, it also bans chainsaws. Well, we have a lot of people that heat with wood here. Mm-hmm. And um, while I've I've gotten a DeWalt electric chainsaw, it's mm-hmm. nice for trimming trails. It's also not what I'm going to choose to cut mm-hmm. a few cords of wood up for, for heating my house for the winter. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some things like that. And then also we're working on some uh, some of the bonding bills that we've got. Uh, the city of Bram, they've got some infrastructure projects that uh, updating their uh, septic system. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's an old failing system and it, it needs to be updated. And that's one of the, that's an area. And then also uh, for Pine Tech and Community College, uh, there's a bonding bill that uh, – for the expansion of that, we had uh, there was a bonding bill a few years ago that had passed, and for the design and the study of of what what the needs were there, mm-hmm. and now now we're bonding for the, the expansion of the school. That's been something that uh, Pine Tech has been one of the few schools in the state that's had had growth over the mm-hmm. past fifteen years. Um, many colleges have have seen a decline in enrollment, but. Uh, Pine Tech and Community College, uh, they've I think it's about a forty-two percent increase mm. over the, uh, about fifteen years. So it's encouraging to see that we've got a great program going on there and uh, really providing a lot of skills for that are needed in our community. Mm-hmm. Something else you mentioned before we started uh, talking here, which was are you working in on stuff for meat processing here in the region too, right? Yes, uh, we're working on. Uh, there's a couple bills that I've been been carrying for a couple of years now, a couple of sessions, and uh, the one of them uh, is a kind of a navigator position. Uh, um, getting into, you know, any business can mm-hmm. be challenging, but especially meat processing. There's a, you know, the safety plans, the HACCP. You have to work with the USDA, the Department of Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and uh, making sure all your your plans are ready. Correct your inspections. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of hurdles to go through with that, and so we've working with uh, Commissioner Peterson and and others, uh, and I really have seen that there's an area of of need that would really be kind of a navigator, helping. And uh, if you or I were to mm-hmm. want to start up one of these plants, um, what do we do? I wouldn't have uh, you know, the, really the first clue on wh- yeah. where to go and where to start with. So they can help with plans. They can help making sure you get all the inspections. Because unfortunately, if there's one thing that you're missing and you're ready to start, all of a sudden you're starting all mm-hmm. back over. And and uh, so that's uh, that's an area we've been working on. It, it is in the governor's budget. Um, so that's something that hopefully we can get across the line. And then also along that same line, uh, the training. Mm-hmm. Uh, there used to be a, a small locker in just about every town across the country, uh, the state here. And, you know, oftentimes you learned, you know, somebody learned on the job from their parents or maybe their grandparents, and you just kind of learned the art of uh, breaking down an animal mm-hmm. that way. And, you know, that has kind of gone away, and there's, there's more people that are really wanting to um, be able to source their food locally, their meat yeah. locally. And and so we've been working with uh, getting some a training uh going for that. Is there anything else you want to talk about today, Representative Nelson? Um, it's, uh, you know, I just want to thank for the, those that have come in and reached out, uh, you know, it's 
I enjoy people, you know, coming in and seeing the office, uh, visiting with me, sharing their concerns. Uh, we've got some school groups, uh, FFA from Mora, they're coming down in a couple of weeks. And, you know, it's always, I enjoy taking, mm-hmm. especially the school groups and meeting with them, uh, you know, seeing the students and, uh, you know, kind of uh, piquing their interest in uh, maybe where they want to you know, form a career mm-hmm. in, in life. And so that's, that's kind of enjoyable to have them in and, uh, and to do that. And other than that, I, you know, if there's anything that, uh, the listeners would like or would need or concerns, uh, feel free to reach out to me at, uh, my house email or, or give the office a call. And I'd appreciate that. Awesome. Well, Representative Nelson, I appreciate you taking some time to chat with me and we'll talk to you next month. All right. Well, thank you. Again, that's State Representative Nathan Nelson giving a legislative update here on the weekly wrap-up. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, Eric Van Reenen will be talking KBEK news, and we'll have stuff from Ethan Game Day Gilman. It's all right here on KBEK and WCMP. Weekly wrap-up. I'm Joe Keyport. You're listening to WCMP or KBEK here in East Central Minnesota. I'm joined by Eric Van Reenen, reporter extraordinaire for all things KBEK. Okay. Eric, how are you doing this afternoon? Extraordinary is generous, but I do my best. I'm doing well, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Tired after my tour, but that's a okay. Living that rock star life, playing to uh, all 10 people. Van life is exciting, though. It's true. It's very true. Uh, We had some big things going on in Isanti County this week and this earlier this month where they are discussing things around Second Amendment legislation and some opposition for it. So uh, do you want to talk about that? Tell me what's going on. Yeah, sure thing. So in the Minnesota State House and Senate, there are some bills kind of in the legislative process about Second Amendment uh, rights, mostly pertaining to firearm and ammunition storage. Uh, And there's kind of a safe storage statute that could result in the ineligibility to possess a firearm or uh, criminal penalties being imposed if you're not uh, properly storing your firearm and ammunition. And some local officials and uh, authorities have kind of taken issue with the way that legislation has been presented. Hmm. Yeah, it's this is something that what popped up about two years ago in 2020 and 2020 or three years ago now 2020 and 2021, and it kind of seems to return to the public consciousness as guns and the Second Amendment are a big thing here in a lot of places across the country, as always, but especially in rural areas. And the Santee County Board of Commissioners kind of uh, had a measure to abolish. They they had previously went against making uh, symbolic proclamations and mm-hmm. and resolutions, but uh, Vice Chair Alan Duff had the Second Amendment in mind when bringing up this resolution to get away from that uh, idea of not making uh, symbolic proclamations. So it's just something to keep in mind that the Second Amendment is big on the county level mm-hmm. as well as the city level. Uh, the Isanti City Council voted to send a letter requesting commissioners in their county to ensure it is uh, dedicated to the Second Amendment. Uh, it's something that they decided at their last meeting. Uh, City Council Member Luke Merrill brought up the Second Amendment concerns due to the recent legislature. To lose our right to bear arms is to lose our country, to lose our safety, and to lose our freedom. Senate File SF-1723 and many other bills being introduced like it strip basic rights that are necessary to keep our country safe. And the council also discussed their options for how to kind of go about expressing their opposition to the, the state legislature. 
Uh, Mayor Jimmy Gordon said that passing a resolution expressing opposition would first have to go through the city attorney, uh, lobbying the state about protecting rights is an option they could look at in the future. Uh, They could also pass a narrow measure if the legislation does take effect, and most costly, they could sue the state if it comes to that. Mm. And that's definitely something a lot of these Second Amendment sanctuary things is is more or less a we will take action against the state if something happens. Um, Not a lot of them, because... And I'm, I'm talking specifically from 2021, uh, Pine County had a similar discussion. They ended up just reaffirming the Second Amendment and not voting for a full, like, sanctuary or uh, Second Amendment supporting county, if I remember, uh, the legislation, because the people were upset about the semantics of what a sanctuary technically could be. Um, and a lot of them didn't really have the desire to, like, potentially lose any state or federal funding over this. Um, and so that was 2021 for Pine County. I looked up when Connecticut County made their own Second Amendment resolutions, um, and that was in 2020. East Central Minnesota sheriffs have also added their mm-hmm. voices to opposing the legislation, uh, including Connecticut County Sheriff Brian Smith, Pine County Sheriff Jeff Nelson, ICNT County Sheriff Wayne Cyberlick, and Molax County Sheriff Kyle Barton. Uh, were among 14 sheriffs who signed a letter opposing a bill in the House. Mm. So it's definitely something that is really kind of a groundswell of opposition towards what's going on in the legislature in regards to firearm storage requirements. Mm -hmm. And the sheriffs also discussed uh, trying to get more focus and resources to address mental health mm. issues and illegal drug-related activity in their counties, which I think is also... It's not that gun storage isn't important, because it is, Mm -hmm. but I think those are also issues that deserve the spotlight as well. And I'm glad that they, you know, brought that up to their state legislators. And a lot of the stuff is, as always, is always pretty interconnected. So trying to treat at a systemic issue as opposed to these various other areas. So coming up, what are we talking about in the next segment, Eric? We'll be talking about a special city council meeting in Bram in regards to Pi Day and Appreciation Day and the city's involvement with those. And we'll also talk about the Canaba County Board of Commissioners adopting a public comment policy. Wonderful. You're listening to the weekly wrap up here on Nice 955 KDKN WCMP. Hey there, Joe Keyboard here. You're listening to the weekly wrap up on KBK and WCMP. I hope you're having a great Friday and looking into a great weekend. I'm talking to Eric Van Rainen about news he covered over here in KBK land. That last segment, we talked about the Second Amendment related things. Now we're talking about some stuff that was going on in Bram and Kennebec County. So what was going on with Bram, the Bram City Council here this month? So they had a normal city council meeting, but they also had a special city council meeting mm-hmm. uh, to discuss the city's involvement with Pi Day and Appreciation Day events. Uh, it's something that came up because Acting Mayor Seth Zeltinger uh, said it was called to help answer the public's question about the city involvement and to clear up misinformation. Uh, a lot of that has to do with you know tax money. Bram saw a tax increase mm. uh, this past year, so I'm sure you know the taxpayers who reside there want to make sure their tax money is going to things that are productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they discussed the city's involvement and costs associated with both events. Uh, according to their city administrator, Rachel Kaitonen, Appreciation Day in 2022 cost Ram $318 in police labor. Uh, for Pi Day, the city had to pay Warning Lights of Minnesota $737 to set up a detour for Highway 107 and also had to pay the police department uh, $2,097 in labor. 
And that's something specific from the story. Uh, the police department didn't have a specific line item in their budget to pay for a lot of this stuff. So when they're the city's already trying to be on track to kind of even things out and be a little more fiscally responsible, having these discussions now better instead of waiting until right before seems to be a good move for the city. And they're getting creative with with solutions to this. Uh, mm-hmm. Bram has received two thousand two hundred fifty dollars in donations for flowers, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great thing to have to beautify the city, right? But to divert some of that uh, to make a budget adjustment for the police department to help cover staffing, uh, getting that public safety, and not having to, you know, go too out of pocket mm-hmm. with where the funds are coming from, I think is something that is really helpful for Bram. Just as kind of an aside, Seth Zeltinger, who is a city council member, was acting as mayor because Mayor Nate George was once again at the Capitol mm. uh, lobbying for water infrastructure funds. Uh, there was a bill that passed in the House mm. uh, that is moving through the Senate, which hopefully will get Bram some funding they need on the state level for those water projects. Absolutely. And what else, what was going on in Canaver County? I know Pine County recently uh not not adopted, but made changes to their public comment policy. But the Canabic County Board of Commissioners adopted a public comment policy during their meeting this past week. Uh, something that they looked at was the board chair having discretion to extend the time allotted, uh, depending on how many people were asking to speak. Uh, and they also set a kind of a priority system to make sure county residents could have their voices heard first. Uh, so the top priority is uh, county residents who attend the meetings in person, followed by county residents attending online, non-residents attending in person, and non-residents who are uh, watching the meeting online. So just kind of a way to make sure that the people with the most uh, the, the people with the most pressing issues as related to the county get their voices heard first. Yeah, and especially with things moving online, that is definitely uh, something that uh, Pine County, the article I wrote about the Pine County thing made it into the Connecticut County uh, documents regarding their comment policy. And is something I think a lot of governments are seeing can easily be exploited into people just trying to disrupt what's going on with uh, a local government. So putting some wording in place is just always helpful. Absolutely. And this was the third draft of this policy. So they've really been going through it uh, with a fine tooth comb to make sure it's exactly how they wanted it. Uh, something that they next was the idea that if someone didn't use all of their allotted time, uh, speakers get three minutes mm-hmm. to talk. Uh, that they could see their time to another person, but I could see why they nixed that idea because it could kind of snowball in a way that would uh, kind of interrupt the productivity of the meeting. Awesome. Well, thank you for stopping on by, Eric, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks for having me. It's the weekly wrap-up here on KBEK and WCMP. As always, I'm Joe Keyport. You just heard from Eric Van Rainen talking about some reporting he did in Connecticut County. You can head over to KBEK.com. You can read more on a lot of the things he's talked about here today. we got Ethan Game Bay Gilman coming up in just a few minutes to talk sports. Playoffs are still going strong here in the area. It's the weekly wrap-up here on KBEK and WCMP. My name is Joe Keyport, and it's that time to be joined by a very exhausted Ethan Game Day Gilman. Ethan, good afternoon. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's going. It's it's it's, it's the fun time of the year, but it's also the most exhausting. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, you have been running all over the state covering playoffs for the schools here in our listening area. So uh, kind of give us a rundown of what's been going on so far. Yeah, so we've had a bunch going on, as Joe has mentioned, but uh, we're into the championships and we've just had the, wrapped up the semifinals and uh, more in Malacca uh, kind of the uh, two of the last four teams we have left here in the playoffs 
they're both doing really well, and it's kind of cool because they're from the kind of the same area. So, mm-hmm. so we've got a lot of fans who are in between or are in the surrounding cities, and we've got a lot of people supporting uh, us via sponsorship. So it's been fun to to be able to watch these two teams. Um, you know, of course, we wish that all the teams could make it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's just not possible. Again, I think you and I had talked where uh, maybe they can just tie and combine mm-hmm. and be a yeah. super team. Yeah. Um, sadly, the the uh, MSHSL hasn't listened yet, mm-hmm. but. Um, uh, but yeah, they're, they're two of the last four. They just played here a couple nights ago over at St. John's, and that was a fun one. It was back and forth. Malacca kind of took control in the first half. They led by, I think it was six or seven. Uh, then going into the second half, Mora had really turned things around. And the interesting part about this game is they had split the season series. So Mora won in Malacca, mm-hmm. double overtime. Then Malacca won in Mora. So uh, this was really kind of the, the it game. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned again, Mora... Turned things around second half. They they had the lead. Then I think it was less than three minutes left or something like that. They started to trade the lead and um excuse me, Mora had the lead, and then all of a sudden Malacca comes back, they tie it up, they take the lead. Well then Mora comes down, they tie it up. Mm-hmm. And so it's that one point back and forth. Malacca takes a two point lead on a three point shot. Mora comes down, ties it up. Malacca goes down. Mora has to start following now because it's late in the game. Mora comes down. They have to follow Malacca. Malacca goes to the line, hits him. That's kind of the way it was for a little bit. But Malacca had a one-point lead, and Mora had to get it inbounded. Well, it was stolen away. Or, excuse me, it was a two-point lead. Mm-hmm. Malacca had stolen the inbound away. Mora had to quickly foul. So Malacca went to the line to shoot two. Now, if they made, if they only missed or made one, Mora was okay. They still had that chance, last second chance to go up, get the Mm -hmm. tying shot. But Malacca, give them credit, they hit both free throws, put them up by four, and sadly for Mora, they just ran out of time. They just ran out of time. It it sucked because it could have went into overtime because Mora hit the last second shot from half court. So it's like... We, we had free basketball on the horizon, but <laughs> give credit to Malacca. They got the victory 69 to 68. They will face off against uh, Albany tonight, actually. They'll be playing them tonight in the championship game. So that, that'll be a really fun one. I can't mm-hmm. wait. Is that going to be on video or are we done with our run with video? Yeah, so sadly, video is done. Um, we can't do it in championships or state. Mm-hmm. So it'll be audio only, but that'll be on KBK here tonight. And uh, yeah, Malacca does have a chance. Albany almost lost to Sox Center. So Malacca has got a really good chance here tonight. Wonderful. Um, what are we going to be talking about in the coming up in just a few minutes? Uh, we'll talk more playoff basketball, <laughs> believe it or not. Well, we'll, we'll get, we got more coming up with uh, playoffs here in the area. It's listening to the weekly wrap-up on WCMP and KBEK. Joe Keyport, weekly wrap-up here on WCMP KBEK. I hope you're having a good Friday afternoon. I'm joined by Ethan Game Day Gilman. We're talking playoffs. Last uh, segment, we talked about Mora and Malacca. And so what else has been going on that you've been covering? There's too many teams to remember. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we've got we've got a couple more teams who are uh, wrapping up their championships, Princeton and Cambridge. Mm. So come Monday on the sports update, we'll, we'll know who is going to be hopefully at state between these four or three teams, Malacca, Princeton, and Cambridge. But uh, Princeton, they were the number one team in their uh, section. Really no surprise. They come off of a really good season last year. They made it to state, graduated mm-hmm. a couple, but they come back with a good majority of that group this year. Uh, they got the uh, number one seed. They get the bye. They beat Becker. It was a little closer than people thought. Uh, they got the victory 67-59 in the semifinal. So a little closer than what people would hope, but uh, they play St. Francis, and I got to see St. Francis play, and my goodness, uh, they're a team with a lot of height, 
Mm. They've got a young man who's going to play D1, I want to say Minnesota. Um, and I think he's like six, seven, six, nine. So wow. dude's, dude's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got to play against him and they're a very good team. This will be a very good matchup. I think Princeton, uh, has a, gr- a great offense. They have mm. scored, I think a hundred points multiple times this year. If not, they've been super close. Um, they, they, I think they average around that 80 mark per game and St. Francis has just, it didn't have the greatest start to the season, but the back half has just been fantastic. So that'll be a really good matchup between those two teams. And then the final championship game will be. Uh, Cambridge Isani, they'll be playing against Andover. Andover's going to be a tough team to beat. Um, Andover's had a, a pretty darn good year in just general. I mean, mm. football, hockey, basketball, it just seems like they're in it. Um, but they have a high-scoring offense so far. Believe it or not, they've had, before the championship game, two games where they've scored 97 and 99 points. Wow. So that offense is high-flying right now. And for Cambridge Isani, they're going to rely a little bit more on their defense in this game. They beat uh, Forest Lake 63-60, and then they beat Duluth East 73-54. So there's a chance that Cambridge Isani can come out on top in this one. Um, it's going to be a tough one. They're going to mm. have to make sure Andover doesn't get the rebounds because I think that's the biggest thing with a team who scores a lot is they shoot quick, mm-hmm. but they also try and get those rebounds. So for Cambridge Isani, I think if they can, they can get their defense to step up in a big way get some rebounds they'll definitely have a chance and again hopefully monday once we talk <laughs> uh, on the sports updates on all the stations we'll be talking about three teams headed to state and that'll be wonderful is there any games to watch or is it just the two we've talked about here today yeah it's the couple we've talked about here today and again uh hopefully next week we'll be talking mm-hmm. about state teams so uh, uh stay tuned to our website we'll keep you up to date on there our facebook's obviously mm-hmm. um i'll try and get something posted right after the games i try yeah. sometimes a drive is just like okay i need to get home <laughs> um but i usually try to post something on the mm-hmm. uh the facebooks mm-hmm. um at the end of the game so hopefully you'll know before monday who's making it to state but yeah if there are teams who make it to state next week i believe they start wednesday so wednesday should be hopefully crossing our fingers the start mm-hmm. of uh state so awesome yeah well, when we talk to you next friday you'll be in the middle of hopefully covering all of those games because oh. it doesn't seem to ever end right right uh but that's a good thing to have a good problem to have exactly and let's just hope all of our teams make it awesome well ethan thank you for stopping on by thank you for doing all the coverage you have in the rest of the sports both andy and adam yeah. uh so i appreciate it and we'll talk to you next next week absolutely sounds good thanks and that's your weekly wrap-up here on WCMP and KBEK. As always, I'm Joe Keyport. It's been good to be back here in the studio. Before we leave, though, we got Jada Osterdyke with your community calendar. So this coming Friday, March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day, um, we've got several things going on. Um, Pine City American Legion is having a traditional Irish dinner. Northwood Steakhouse is having their corned beef dinner along with drink and dessert specials. Uh, Lake Appeal is having their St. Patrick's Day meal that starts at 4 p.m. Marge's Pub and Grub is having their corned beef dinner along with DJ Emmett. And the Hinkley Firehouse is having a St. Patty's Day party. Um, Come dressed in your best St. Patty's gear. Stop in for food, fun, music, and drinks. March 16th to the 19th, we have Pine City Heritage Players um, performing the musical comedy Murders of 1940. Get your tickets today for that one. Saturday, March 25th, is the 2023 Home and Garden Expo at the North Branch Area High School from 9 to 3. Sunday, March 26th, Brook Park Fire Spaghetti Feed at the new Brook Park Town Hall from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's a free will offering. 
Um, Saturday and Sunday, April 1st and 2nd, is Pinetext's 40th annual gun show from 8 to 3 p.m. And as always, if you have an upcoming event you would like added to the community calendar, please email us at wcmptraffic at gmail.com. Again, you can catch that live on 100.9 WCMP Wednesday morning. I hope you have a great rest of your Friday and a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.